0: Welcome to the Lessons Learned podcast, a podcast reflecting on the lessons we've learned and those we're still in the process of learning. I'm Komal, your host. I'm an interviewer, investor, and someone who has lived a lot of life in a short time. I built this podcast as a place for us to reflect, to be together, and to learn from one another. Let's get into it. Welcome to the next episode of Lessons Learned. Today is my first official interview on the podcast with the incredible Nithika Chopra. Now, this is my first official interview on the show. So this is the first time you guys are hearing me intro someone. So I'm going to be doing it a little bit differently than what you might hear on other podcasts. I'm basically just going to fangirl about her for a few minutes. <laughs> oh my so gosh. So you guys know why I love her so much and why she is so wonderful. I met Nithika in September when we did uh, the luncheon for Noni. And I was looking for incredible South Asian women from across the city to invite. And I had been creeping her on Instagram for a while before hand, (laughs) seeing her incredible posts about chronic illness, everything she was doing for so many people, and also about Chronicon, which we will be talking about, which is her chronic illness conference that is coming together at the end of October, where I will be also moderating a conversation. So exciting. But Nithika has lived a lot of life in the 38 years that you've been with this world, and she uses every learning that she's had as a gift for others. And that's something I so appreciate about your energy and what you give to the world. And I'm really excited for the audience to hear the story come from you. But in a nutshell, Nitika is like a warm hug that everybody needs, especially those of us who know how hard life can be when it comes to illness and the physical nature of what it can take
1: out of us. So with that... Welcome to the show, Nithika. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. I'm so honored. I feel like my cheeks are just going to hurt the entire time because I'm smiling so much. We're sitting across (laughs) from each other. We're here at the
0: Wing in Soho. So if you hear steps in the background, just know that it's because we're not in a podcast studio, but we're doing our thing. We're winging it. We're winging it, literally. (laughs) Um but I'd love to hear Nitika if you could tell our audience a little bit about your journey about your story from your online magazine to now. Uh just give us an overview
1: of you. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's been like 10 years since I started my online magazine. So, I won't tell you every single thing <laughs> that's happened in the last 10 years, but essentially, um I was diagnosed with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis, which are two autoimmune diseases. And psoriasis I got when I was 10 and psoriatic arthritis I got when I was uh, 19. And both of those things just really shaped who I became as a human being, as a woman, and just really um, dictated, you know, everything about my life, whether it was my self-esteem or the way that I saw other people. And I always knew, because I was such a spiritual, and I am such a spiritual person, I always knew and believed that those conditions were meant to guide me to what I was meant to do in this world. And that I had them for a much greater reason than I maybe could understand at the time. But I also had this love of acting and I loved performing and I loved singing and all this stuff. So I was constantly trying to figure out like, how do I bring those two things together? And I ended up, deciding that I was like meant to have a talk show, which I laugh about because I was like, there was, there was no evidence. (laughs) And you know, in this world, in terms of why I should have a talk show, I had just started walking properly. I had just gotten divorced. I had no money. I had no friends. I had no experience. I had no resources, like starting at ground zero completely. But again, it was that spiritual connection and this like knowing deep down inside of myself that I was meant to do that, even though I didn't totally understand why or how. And wanting to take the things that I had learned through my conditions and bring those to people through these different mediums of performance. So yeah, I started this online magazine called Bella Life uh, in 2010. And it was kind of my dream was for it to be a catalyst for me to get noticed by someone. I had no idea who. I was like, maybe one day someone will see this and think it's a show because I'm going to have all these contributors and videos. And all these things. And then, um, about three years into that, I actually got noticed by, um, Z living for all of our, they see people out there, Ooh. you know, Z TV. Um, and they had this holistic lifestyle channel that was, um, you know, broadcast globally. And yeah, I had my own talk show on there um, called Naturally Beautiful. And from there, I ended up on QVC with the skincare brand Fresh. And that was really amazing. And all the while, it was like super exciting. And it was really fulfilling in the sense that I always felt like I was in integrity with who I was and doing the best that I could. But I also felt like Like there was this huge story around my body and my health and, and around the pain that I had been through in my life that I knew I was meant to share, but I was really afraid to share it. And it wasn't because I was ashamed of it or even because I didn't think people would understand. It was really if this like makes sense, it was really because it was so sacred to me. Um, and I was really afraid to share it in a way that felt gratuitous, like, Oh, look at this horrible thing I went through, like now give me attention or something like that was the last thing that I wanted. So it felt really confusing. Like, how do I share this thing and share it publicly? So you're just automatically by the way of sharing yourself publicly, you're asking for validation or attention of some sort. And you have to just be honest about that. It's not a bad thing, but how do I own that? And also like honor, like the pain that I had been through and the reality of that and that I'm not the only one, you know? And yeah, it makes me so emotional to think about because it just, that journey just meant so much to me. And I didn't want, um, I didn't want to do anything in vain, I guess, you know, and you can see like, I'm getting teary eyed Mm. (laughs) sitting across from you because yeah, it just, it was really, really meaningful to me and I wanted to honor it. Mm. So yeah, I I don't know if I answered your question, but you definitely (laughs) did. I'm crying. So (laughs) I, I
0: hold space for it all. Right. We, we Thank know you. this journey together, um, I know. with various, um, illnesses, experiences yeah. you're making me tear up too. Yeah. So here we are guys. <laughs> <laughs> but something that you said on episode one of your podcast, the point of pain <clears throat> was that what I went through wasn't just for me. It was for others. Yeah. Can you talk about that anchoring and that knowing even in the thick of your illness that there was something greater at play?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was probably one of the most defining moments of my life. It was one of the most defining moments of my life. Um, I was 15, like around 15 years old and I had gotten home from school and I had been really bullied at school my whole life. Um, and, And whether it was because I was the only Indian, the only brown person, or because I had spots of psoriasis everywhere, it just was really hard for me to make friends. And then on top of that, I was horrible at school. Like, I I feel like I know so much more now, like we were just talking about like endo fog and autoimmune fog and all this stuff. And now I can see so clearly, like so much of what made it hard for me to go to school was because my body was freaking out all the time and I could not concentrate to save my life. Um, and then on top of that, I, um, I just don't learn in like a linear way. I'm a much more experiential learner. So all these things were compounding. I was getting in a lot of trouble at home, a lot of trouble at school. Um, And then my body was falling apart. I had psoriasis from the tip of my foot to the tip of my head. I did not have an inch of skin on my body that didn't have psoriasis on it. And for those of you who are listening that don't know what psoriasis is, it's basically an autoimmune disease that creates like scales of skin. Um, You're your cells over generate basically like 28 times faster than they're supposed to. And it essentially creates scales instead of regular skin. And they itch like chickenpox. They bleed when you scratch them and they sort of crack when you, um, move if they're chapped, which my whole body was like that. So it was really devastating. And I went home from school this one day and I went into my closet and I was like on the floor of my closet and I was really spiritual from a young age. So I started praying to God and I was just like, God, I, I don't think I can do this anymore. Like I am so, I am so done. This is too much pain for one person. Maybe other people can handle this. I can't handle this anymore. And I would never harm myself. um, So I asked God to do it for me. I was like, can you just like make this happen? Because I don't, I, I can't, I can't do it. And I also like can't be here anymore. And the response that I got back from God was... This is not about you. And it changed my life. That moment... I was never the same after that moment. And it doesn't mean that I w- didn't feel pain and that I didn't have devastation and confusion because I did. But every time I would get to that point, I knew that that message was true even though I had no idea how it was true, right? Like I, we didn't barely have the internet then, you know? So it wasn't like I knew about blogging. There was no blogging, you know? I, I didn't know anyone who wrote a book. Like it wasn't that, right? Right. But there was something about that message that I was like, okay. so like every time I was brought to my knees and I was brought to my knees for years on like a daily basis, you know, I. Just remembered that. And I would hold on to it like an anchor, you know, in my heart and think, like, okay, God, you told me this thing. So I'm going to believe you. I know you're telling me the truth. I don't understand what this means, but I know it's true. So that was really, I mean, it fueled me starting my career for sure. But for many years, for about a decade, you know, plus, um, for, for a really long time, I didn't understand what it meant. I just knew it was true.
0: Hmm. Can you share with us with us a little bit about when you did realize what it meant? When did you start opening up and, and becoming aware of the why? Like in that moment, you knew that it wasn't about you, but when did you realize it was time to start sharing?
1: Yeah. I think that there was an unfolding like over many years that that happened. I think I was trained to be a life coach when I was like in my early twenties and I thought maybe that was how I was supposed to help people. Um, I also just noticed that when I would meet people, I could feel that they were in pain in a way that like, Maybe they had been trying to hide, um, and it makes me like emotional to think about because I—I mean, I'm sure I'm sure you're like this, and I'm sure so many people listening are like this when you're kind of an empath and you can feel other people's emotions. Um, and I feel like that was because I had been through so much that I knew what the depths of that wound or that pain felt like. Wow. Um, yeah. So it was really in tiny moments at first, like that you know and then i would say when i was 27 28 that was when i was trying to figure out like what i was supposed to do and um And, you know, I had been I had been sick and like unable to walk because of my arthritis for like most of my 20s. So I didn't I had like one or two jobs before this. It wasn't like I had like a traditional like I finished college, but by the skin of my teeth. (laughs) And I didn't have like a traditional like, oh, I'm going to go intern at this place and then I'm going to go do like it wasn't that at all. So I really didn't have any roadmap for any kind of like, you know, Success really at that point. But it was this idea that I was supposed to help other people. And that's really what started me starting Bella Life and getting all these contributors and writing and doing videos and doing my show. Like I always wanted it to be about other people. Um, I don't think I really knew how to take it to the depths of what I wanted to, even with doing all of that though, until like a couple of years ago. Like mm. it took me a while, um, I think, to, to really understand, you know, being of service is, it's such a divine, divine, divine thing. And, um, yeah, I just feel like it's, it's like, it's a privilege to be of service. You know, I really see that. And at the same time, you really have to work on your ego <laughs> so much so much, <laughs> and yeah, you really have to work on your ego and you, and you really have to be comfortable with, um, with the service. Right. And to me, that means like doing everything from, you know, wiping the floors or, you know, helping your friend when she needs to go to the hospital or whatever, like being online and helping people who are DMing you who are in crisis. Like, I don't know what your thing is, but there's a lot of humility in it. And I think when I started getting into, like, I have a talk show and I'm on QVC and I'm all these things. I've never been like an ego driven person in that way, but I think I had to be like taken down a couple notches Mm. (laughs) and just like, remember like, yeah, that stuff's really cute. And like, it's fun that I just got my hair done and like I'm on TV or something, but it's not, it doesn't really matter to me. Mm. So yeah, it was a little bit of a um, a humbling after all of that to like recenter and be like, okay, cool, I have that skill. That's awesome. I'm really proud of myself that I can do that. And I, I know that I can do that at any moment and I have that skill in my back pocket, but that's not really why I'm here,
0: mm-hmm. you know? And you're here to connect, you're here to be of service, and you're here to give more to the people around you. Yeah. Something that I remember writing um, was that what we survive, we're meant to share. And I do think that what you say of like the depths of the pain that we experience unlocks our ability to connect with the people around us. And I think that's something that I felt so deeply when we met and just like in this past few weeks, like we've known each other for maybe like three weeks.
1: I know it's weird, (laughs) It's weird, but it doesn't doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense,
0: but it just feels like we've known each other for so long because there's a shared experience. And so something I wonder is a lot of something I'm still grappling with is when we're ready to share, parts of our story. So when I was younger, I would definitely have the vulnerability hangover after writing certain things or sharing certain things and not necessarily regret that they were out there, but know that maybe I hadn't fully processed what I had shared. How does that play in your work when it's so visceral, it's so vulnerable? How do you decide when you're ready to share a part of your story?
1: I really feel like my body tells me Hmm. that's really the most honest answer I can say. So like the thing that comes up for me when you say that is like one of the things I was terrified to talk about was my decision to not have children. Mm. I was, I mean, I got, I just got chills. <laughs> like It's <laughs> like, you know, it's terrifying, even though I already did it. <laughs> so, like my whole body was like, but girl, are you sure? Right? I'm like, I did it already. So yeah, no culturally. And also because I'm single mm. and I was just like, great. So I'm just basically giving anyone who potentially is interested in me, like the depths of my <laughs> like reality around children, around everything. And it just, so, so that process is really, it's a good one to to pull from because it was really clear. Um, so I had this conversation in my life for many years and sometimes it doesn't have to be for that long. Right. But for this one, it was, it was for many years. I talked to my friends about it. I talked to my parents about it. I talked to partners about it and I had to work through in real life, like what that felt for me and how I could feel safe having that conversation. And there came a point where I felt more and more safe having that conversation in real life. And I would find myself maybe in a group of women, or maybe I was giving a talk or something, and I would notice I felt comfortable sharing it in public, you know, in that way. Right. So it wasn't quite on the internet, but I was like, yeah, I really believe this, this, and this. And I actually, even if you oppose what I'm saying, I feel strong and I feel confident and I feel safe, but that safety has to come from me and it has to come from God. It can't come from anyone else. So like if I go on the internet when I don't feel safe and I expect the response to make me feel safe. Wow. That's not, oh, that's not going to end well. No, <laughs> that's not going to end well. So that's, that's such my a practice. Yeah. So that's my, that's my practice, you know, is that, and I can feel it, right? Cause there were times that I had thought about sharing that before I actually wrote a blog about it and I would sit down and start to think about the writing and then I would be like. Okay. I just asked myself the questions, like, what do you want out of this? And if I, if it, the answer is like, I want someone to tell me that it's okay, <laughs> that I don't want to have children and that I'm not going to be alone forever. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, honey, you need to put the computer away. Yeah, Like not write that blog until you know that it's completely okay that you're not having children. And it's completely okay that you've made this decision for yourself, even though you're single right now, you know, And that takes work, you know, like I probably could have written the blog a year earlier, but it wasn't the right time. Um, so my body literally will tell me like, no, I don't feel safe yet. Like, why are you pushing me? You know? And so I do that with my writing a lot. And then when I came out with the blog, um, you know, like, I think it was like finding peace and not having children or something like that. Um, The response was really overwhelming and beautiful, but it, it didn't validate me. Mm. Does that make sense? It makes so
0: much, so much sense to me right now. Yeah. I personally got the news about interviewing Michelle Obama on Friday and decided to keep it to myself till Monday and the roller coaster I experienced emotionally Because I was like, you've given yourself three days or two days. And I want to see what my mind and what my body does. And it beat me up. It put me through like this craziness while there was so much immense joy. Mm. But I realized that I had to decouple the validation that people were going to inevitably bring in from our vulnerability because people so appreciate the journeys we're on. They're in it with us. Yeah. But it's almost like the good shit is equally as overwhelming as the negative negativity can be. So we have to be so okay with what we're sharing. How you said it was so beautiful where you're not, we can't share it and expect safety to come from other people's responses. Yeah. We have to find that safety in our bodies.
1: Yeah. And it's, I mean, I'm such a spiritual person. So like I talk about God a lot and you know, I was born a Hindu, but I am just spiritual. and. I really, really, really believe that that is our greatest practice on this planet. You know, like how do we find that safety within our own hearts, within our own bodies, within our own selves. If you have a relationship with God, you know, how do you find that safety with God and not feel like it needs to come from your best friend, not feel like it needs to even come from your parents. Like I'm really close to my parents and even separating that, you know, and just being like, okay, I I, I got this. Like, this is my journey and this is, you know, the validation has to come from me. And I think the thing that made me realize that was a series of things, but really like noticing that external validation is so empty and it's so fleeting and it can be taken from you in the moment, in just mm. one moment. You know, like we can post about something and have everybody be so proud of us, and then we can post about something else and have everybody hate us. Yes. Right? And that's never happened to me, but I've seen it happen to a lot of people. And I kind of look at that and I'm like, oh, what would happen to me if all of my validation came from those posts or other people? If they decide that I am worthy of being hated all of a sudden, then I am worthless. Mm you know, which isn't true, Mm -hmm. but I just gave them all of my power, you know? So I think that's kind of been a huge thing for me on my journey of just being like, trying to keep my head down and focus on my own stuff and, um, and just focus on my relationship with God and like, just, you know, my own heart and then try to be of service at the same time.
0: Totally. I also think that getting so sick shows you how, like that, how little value there is in external validation. Because for example, I I have my cramps today and yesterday, had to cancel plans, events, like wasn't able to go to things that may have boosted my ego. And you yourself are coming out of eight days of taking it easy on your body because you're planning this massive conference and have gone nonstop for eight months. And your body said, hey, I need a second. And illness allowed me cause I was out of commission for two years mm-hmm. to remind myself of what I really am and that it's not comments, it's not likes, it's not what I post, but that there's an essence and truth to me that was given to me by God. That is who I really am. So how does that, how did that work for you in this most recent eight days? Mm-hmm. What was, what was that like to, to take this break?
1: Yeah. It was a roller coaster too. You know, like it's so funny. It's like, um, I've really been mindful and careful of like not getting caught up in comparison. That's Mm. been something I've been really mindful of just because it's so easy to do. And I think our social media culture really like perpetuates it and feeds off of it and kind of wants us to compare and despair. Um, so I've been really mindful of not doing that. However, <laughs> however, <laughs> Same. Um, uh, oh my God, like, however, you know, in launching Chronicon, which I launched technically, I think in June, June 20th or something like that. Um, and that's happening in the end of October, I just notice it means a Everything to me. And I noticed that it's much easier for me to like take myself down with comparison. Mm. And um, so I say that because like when I took these eight days and I was still working the entire time, but I was like working in PJs with like Ellen on in the background <laughs> and like you know, I didn't do my as hair as one should. Yeah. I like didn't do my hair, I didn't put makeup on. I didn't like have to be anywhere, which was amazing. I think I really needed it more than I realized. But, um, you know, during that time, I also found out like how insecure I can feel about things that mean the world to me, you know? So I noticed that I had to like really stay off social media and I had to like mute a lot of people. Cause I was just like, Oh my God, they're doing nothing wrong. And they just like announced this thing and they just announced that thing and they're launching this thing. And now they got this person to do this thing. And I'm like, Oh my God, my life is passing before my eyes. What's happening. Like It's just, Oh my God, it was so real. It was so real for me. And, um, so I, it was really great to take the eight days. And I, as I always say, my body is my biggest teacher. And so it just, it it wouldn't, it wouldn't let me not listen to it. But, um, that came up a lot during Mm -hmm. the eight days, like how you were saying when you got the news, um, about your amazing, um, success and wins this week. It's just, it's, it is, it's, it's really funny. Like, You just said before we started, like we sold out of Chronicon and I'm like like, (laughs) you sold out like a month before the (laughs) event. I know and I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh my god, I feel so bad. There's so many people that wanted to come that like can't come now. (laughs) Like that's what I'm thinking about. And you're like, um, excuse me.
0: You sold out (laughs) your event and also when we're talking about comparison. I think it happens because it matters so much to us because we care so much about it. Like it's true with the, with the podcast, like I shared, you're my first interview guest. So thank you for taking a chance on me. Oh my God, please. It's a pleasure. (laughs) It's a pleasure. But when we're doing the thing that we are destined for and like, when you think of yourself as that young girl who is asking God for that answer and you, it was for a bigger thing, like you're building, you're literally doing that bigger thing right now. I know. I am astounded when I think of the impact that Chronicon will have, like even for me, when I was sick, if I knew that there was a community or a gathering where I could go in my illness and show up and be so fully myself and not be judged, not be criticized, but be in community, like you are changing lives and I'm getting emotional because I really think of like how isolating it was to be alone in my cave in my depression, in my illness, and not know where to go. Mm -hmm. And you've created a place for people to go. So as much as we all compare ourselves and we're on that roller coaster, we also get to take in the moments when it feels really good. And I hope this is one of them.
1: (laughs) Yes, thank you so much for saying that. That's that's the whole reason, you know, why, like when I thought of the idea for Chronicon, it was another one of those ideas where I was like, um, excuse me, God, so I know you gave me this idea and I hear that you really think that I should do this, but I have no idea how in the hell I am supposed to do this and I have zero resources to make this happen and I am just one person and there's like 133 million people in this country that have a chronic illness. So like what exact, like it was really, I was bargaining with God for about six months and I didn't tell anyone that I had this idea. Cause I was like, I better not tell anyone because then I have to do it. You know, it was like one of those, it was one of those. So, um, but the whole time it was definitely a feeling of like, girl, this is what I told you, you were supposed to do, um, you know, for your whole life. And so, and then that comes with pressure too. Right. Cause it's like, even with what everything that you're doing, it's like, it's, it is obviously what you're supposed to be doing. It's like so perfectly what you're supposed to be doing. And it's what you want to do. It's not like a chore or, you know, anything like that, but it does, it feels so, I feel like I put a lot of pressure on myself to then be like, Oh my God, I have to be like, the Beyonce of chronic illness or something, <laughs> you know, which you technically are. I mean, there is no Beyonce of chronic illness. So if I'm the one, then fine. But I don't really have any competition in that way. Um, but um, but yeah, it's just. It's just, yeah, it it feels daunting sometimes, you know, even though it's like such a thrill and, and so beautiful, but I think it's important to acknowledge that it feels that way sometimes too. Yeah. And I think that duality, as I get older,
0: I realize that I become more accepting of the duality, that things can be great, but also feel painful or hard or difficult and that it's just allowing myself to feel all of it. Um, so that I can move through it faster because I don't want to linger in, in that shit. But also, I, it, it's a part of the process. And again, I think illness really taught me that. So when it comes to Chronicon, what can you tell us about it? Because uh, when this is airing, it's going to be the week after. So I feel like you're going to have a lot of people listening and following along with everything that's going to be going on. And you said there's an announcement coming this week that you might be able to share here. Yeah, well, the announcement is going to be
1: that it's sold out. So you already know. (laughs) (laughs) So you already know. I was just like teasing it on my Instagram earlier. Um, And I'll I'll be putting it up on my feed later today. But um, yeah, I mean, Chronicon... Whoa. It's basically a full day. It's in New York City, this first one. Um, What I can say is that the growth of Chronicon has been much greater than I could have ever even imagined before it even happened. Um, And part of why I feel like I've known you for so long is because I called you in a panic after like one of the big things happened. And I was like, what do I do? What's happening? Oh my God. And I was just like, I don't even know this person, <laughs> but somehow I just felt like I could call her and she would just be fine. And <laughs> I was, and I and loved you, it. You
0: were totally fine. You were wonderful. It was an um, honor to be able to <laughs> hold space for that.
1: Thank you. But, um, but yeah, it's just really grown. And so, um, and, and the growth is just beginning. So I think for people who are listening to this now, it's, um, you know, 2020, we're already starting to plan, um, possibly having like multiple chronicons in 2020 wow. and I'm thinking about doing one in LA, one in New York, maybe one in like Austin or North Carolina, um, and doing, you know, influencer and media dinners, which i love to do. And I've always done, um, and doing maybe a retreat, um, you know, things like that, that are just really special and curated and for this community specifically. Um, So yeah, so I'm just looking at ways that I can grow that and trying to figure out like, you know how do we raise enough money so that we can be supported in doing it and also um who wants to like work with me on it you know i'm really having a lot of those conversations right now of just learning about people and understanding like what is your skill set and what are you excited about and and all of that so we can see how we can bring all of that to the chronic illness community so When you were thinking
0: of programming for Chronicon, what did you make your main priorities? What were the things that you knew we had to talk about when it came to chronic illness?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think more than anything... I did not want Chronicon to feel prescriptive. And I think that was, that's, is really important to me. Um, even if eventually we work with doctors or we work even with pharma, like I have to take medication for my health. Like I'm not against it. You know, um, I just want it to be very intentionally not prescriptive because I feel like it is really damaging to have a chronic condition and have people tell you what to do all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it can be very devastating for somebody who has been working on every possible cure treatment, you know, avenue that they possibly could spending all of their money, their family, giving all of their resources, going to every doctor, every specialist, every healer and feeling really like feeling broken, you know, and feeling like there's something so deeply wrong with them that so-and-so was able to do X, Y, Z, and theirs just cleared right up. And somehow that hasn't been the case for them. And I just wanted everything to feel like the opposite of that, to feel like we are all in this together. This might have worked for me. I have done things that have taken me from having debilitating arthritis to being able to walk and sometimes run, although that's a challenge. <laughs> you're um, doing great. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> um, you know, and, and that's that's my journey. But that doesn't mean that if you have psoriasis or arthritis, it looks just like mine, and yours hasn't gotten to that place that you're like a horrible broken person that is doing something wrong. And even if people are being loving and kind and saying like, oh, please try this or this might work or I, I care about you. I want to help you. It's actually the opposite of what feels loving in those moments. Um, so I think that was just like my greatest, you know, desire is to have most of our content be sort of like emotionally based and based on storytelling for personal experiences, not based on prescription. Like, and I'm actually really curious to see how this is gonna go. So I'll know <laughs> by the time this is this is out there. But The finding freedom through food panel is weirdly like a panel. Everyone has just been like that out of all of them. We can't wait to hear what they say. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Okay, guys, I'm not, we're not going to be giving like, it's, I'm not going to be sitting there with a doctor telling you what to eat. Yeah. Like that is not what this is. You can go to other conferences for that. We're going to be sitting there talking about how they've had to work through all of their dietary restrictions, how they've had to find ways to be empowered by the things that they can eat eat versus be debilitated by the things that they can't. We're going to talk about, you know, food safety and like how they prepare for trips and things like that. We're not going to be prescribing like everything that you should be eating because I'm on an autoimmune paleo diet, but there are people in that audience. I literally got an email from a girl who can only eat bananas. Hmm. Like literally the only food she can eat is bananas. Okay, She eats like 45 bananas a day. I don't understand. It's people like that. Like, What is she going to get from sitting there having me tell her exactly what you should eat an autoimmune paleo diet when she has other issues that I don't know anything about, you know? So that's been a huge part of it is like, how can I make this um, digestible for all, (laughs) you know, I guess pun intended Um, and and not prescriptive. So yeah.
0: And that's so beautiful because that was literally the worst like thing Mm. that happened to me with all my diagnoses was Mm. when people were like, you should try this, you should do this. And I'm like, no. Yeah. I won't. Yeah. In the beginning, it, you just feel so much shame for it. And it can just, so I'm so excited to just be in community around this where we can all really jam about it and just be in our true lived experiences. And I'm doing a panel, a moderating panel about invisible illness, which I'm very excited about. I think it's going to be such a meaningful dialogue. So super pumped about that. Now, I'd love to talk a little bit because you've come out of this eight days of being with yourself and taking care of you. What does your self-care look like when your body does need you to pay some more delicate attention to it?
1: Yeah. I think the biggest thing is to, I feel like I have to be on a lot in my life. And I also feel like that's a skill, you know, to have the ability to be on in that way. But it's not my true personality. Um, I'm really introverted and I can be kind of shy, and people don't always believe that about me, but it's true. And so I think in those moments when I really need to care for myself, I just need to be off. Mm. And I, I need to not care what I look like. And it just even on the most basic level. You know, <laughs> not even like I don't need to be Same. glam. It's <laughs> like I need to like look like crazy for like a few days, you know, which I'm totally fine with. Um, and I need to veg out and like literally just watch entertaining mindless stuff to let my mind just be relaxed and not feel stressed out. Um, I need to be mindful of what I'm eating for sure. I think sometimes it depends where I'm at in the self-care space. Like sometimes in the beginning of it, if I'm really drained, I go for comfort food and it's still gluten-free and like nightshade free, but <laughs> you know, I, I, I'll be like, okay, I need to order like a gluten-free hamburger or something, you know, just to like feel comfort. Yeah. Um, but then like by the end of my eight days, I was like cooking for myself and just like making really nice meals. And I, I really wanted to do that. I felt like I had the energy to do it and it felt really nourishing. Um, so it looks different depending on where I'm at. Um, and then I think also like talking to girlfriends, I, I'm very 1999 about the phone. (laughs) I I like, that. I I pick up the phone (laughs) and people are always like, are you dying? Like what's (laughs) happening? Like when I first call people, you know, now my close friends like know that I'm not dying. But, um, But yeah, I'm very much like a phone person and I just love talking on the phone. I think I don't have a ton of time to do it. So when I have those times when I'm like home alone at night or even like for a long weekend or whatever, I just take the time and call friends and just like catch up and laugh. And, you know, it's really nice. It's it's probably one of the most nourishing things. I love like hours long
0: phone calls. Sometimes like if I'm taking a morning, I really like to just lay in bed and scroll and do my thing. And my mom likes to do the same thing. Um, so I just call her. She's in, she's halfway across the country and we're just both in bed doing our posts for the day and just catching up. And it's one of my favorite, most sacred times. Like it I happens probably that. once every three weeks, but we get a really good catch up in. Mm, um, I so love that. I f- I'm also very 1990s about <laughs> my phone time. <laughs> yeah. So we're coming to closer to the end of our conversation. There's so much more I want to talk to you about, but we'll just have to do more of these. Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the Lessons Learned podcast. And I would love to know, you've experienced so much life. What are some of the most important lessons you've learned through your journey?
1: Yeah. Yeah, way to just lay it on me. I know, know. wow. Okay. Um, I mean, I've learned a lot of lessons. I think I've mentioned some of the bigger ones already in the podcast. Um, I think one of the biggest ones for me is around my body like telling me what is right and what isn't feeling right. Um I don't think I listened to it in every area of my life as much when I was growing up. But, you know, now in my late 30s, I feel like I really um honor my body in that way. So whether it's knowing that I need to take some time off or even like if I'm like online dating and I'm just like, oh, something about this doesn't feel right. I don't know. Like, it's not feeling good. Whatever it might be. I used to do more of like wanting to please. So I would override that feeling with being like, oh, no, 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 but you should just like be nice and you should just do that and you should just whatever. And I think I've just gotten really <clears throat> clear and comfortable with the fact that like, no, I should not like that. That doesn't serve anyone. If I can be a little uncomfortable right now, but tell this person, I don't actually feel like continuing talking to them or I can't actually leave my house right now or whatever it might be. Um, it's usually much better for everyone in the long run. Um, and so yeah. And I still like, I still come up against that every once in a while. Like I'm supposed to go meet a friend on Thursday afternoon. And I like really don't want to, cause it's just like not in line with what I'm focusing on at the moment. Um, but I feel bad. So I, <laughs> I need like a little bit of time to tell them I'm not coming. Yeah. Um, so that's been a huge one is like listening to your body. Cause it's usually trying to tell you like what it needs and what it wants and where you should go. Um, and then I also think just like the Lesson of, um, I mean, this is kind of connected, but I guess like when I think of business, because that's something I've been thinking about a lot, is like when it's not flowing, remembering that that is also. sign. And I think that's been huge for me. Um, because there's been many times when I have thought that I'm supposed to take a certain direction in my business and it's the direction that like other people are telling me that I should take. And so then I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm supposed to be doing this. And I try and I try and I try and I try and nothing comes out or like, it's not happening. And what I've learned over time is that that is the lesson. Like I'm not supposed to be going in that direction. And what I have to do in those moments is remind myself, I'm a really hard worker and I literally have to like say, okay, wait a second. Let's, let's think about this. Like, are you lazy? Cause that's basically what I'm starting to feel like is that I'm lazy and I just like don't get things done. And that's not the case. So if you're trying to create something or accomplish something, and it's like you feel like you're hitting your head up against the wall um, and it's not happening and it's not flowing. There's a reason for that, Hmm. you know? And so give yourself permission to just stop. And when I have done that and then I just like pivot and focus on the thing that I really want to focus on. Oh my God. So many ideas come out. I'm so creative. I can't stop thinking about it. I'm such a hard worker, all of that. So that's been a huge lesson for me. Hmm. Yeah.
0: And that resonates so deeply for me right now. Um, cause I'm just coming out of a season of having hit my head against the wall for months of being, not knowing what to do and you make the call and things just start lining right up. We were saying at the beginning, before we started recording, we are both in a season of winning. So let's high five to all yes. that's ahead. I can't wait for Chronicon. I can't wait to see all of the incredible that you are going to build and create in the world. And it's a true privilege to now have you in my life and be able to witness all you are creating. Thank you so much for joining me as my first guest on the Lessons Learned podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. And I can't wait to hear how you and Michelle are. Oh my God. Because that's going to be epic. I'm so
0: proud of you. (laughs) Thank you so much, Nithika. This is going to come out two weeks after. So everybody will have heard or know or whatever. (laughs) I will be. Yes. Guys, (laughs) it may be a different person in two weeks. Oh my God. (laughs) No, I'm not putting that pressure on it. It's the next right step and we're going to keep going. It's going to be awesome. I'm so appreciative for all your love and support. So
1: thank you for being on the yes, show. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in. If you loved this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to follow me, Gomo, check me out on Instagram at K-O-M-A-L-M-I-N-H-A-S or the show at Lessons Learned Podcast underscore. And if you have an idea of a lesson that we should dive into on the show, then slide into our DMs and submit there or on the website along with any guests you think I should interview and talk all of the things with. As always, I hope that you make some time for you this week and reflect on the lessons you're learning or have learned and take some time to celebrate all the incredible that is you. Until next time, guys.
1: Bye!